0: and that whenever any alarming signs appeared, emergency medical teams would be sent to carry out a thorough examination.
1: In other news, Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas has rejected US President Donald Trump's long-awaited Middle East peace plan, which promises to keep Jerusalem as Israel's undivided capital. Standing alongside Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu at the White House on Tuesday, Mr Trump proposed an independent Palestinian state and the recognition of Israeli sovereignty over West Bank settlements. Some schools have shut in Malawi before a court judgment next week about last year's disputed election. The decision will be announced on Monday after opposition parties challenged President Peter Mutharika's re-election. Some schools and businesses fear an outbreak of violence. The Syrian army says it's retaken the important town of Marat al-Numan, which was the last opposition stronghold in Idlib province. The town is on a main road and the assault on it has sent thousands of civilians fleeing to the Turkish border. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacey Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun-toting, Air Force veteran, wife and mom, Righteously American.
0: Welcome. Hey, guys. We're back. And today we're talking about vagrancy laws. And I have so much other, like, you know, little housekeeping type stuff to get into, but I'm going to save that for the end of the show and launch right into just a couple of quick uh, news items. First of all, how about President Trump? The big story in the chat over at stacyontheright.com is Big Ron, Richard Layton. I mean, Tracy, Chi, all of the, the usual suspects over there just chilling and hanging out. I left the live stream on by accident, and I've been running around going to county council meetings and trying to figure out what's going on with vagrancy laws. And these people have been in here chatting and living their sweet lives. <laughs> Smoke is in there. So everybody, hey, how y'all doing? I'm so glad you were there, and I'm so glad I'm here because we have to talk about this vagrancy thing because I want everyone – just, you know, raise your hand wherever you are in your office or if you have your coffee cup, just lift it up a tad. If you're promising me that you will check into this issue in your local area because there's not it's not a coincidence that all of these areas, these, these cities um, in, run by liberals like San Francisco, Austin, Baltimore, places like that, that they have all these tent cities, it's not an accident. It's not a, a, a bug. It's a feature. It's something that they're coordinating to do because they want these tent cities, because they want to give homeless people quote-unquote rights. They want to decriminalize the issue of being poor. And I got to tell you, um, what they're doing is they're taking the inner city problems and they're putting them out in the suburbs. They're making it so that you don't have anywhere you can go to get away from their lunacy. But there is something you can do, and I want to talk to you about that. So first off, how about President Trump? 170,000 people. That's the, the topic that was hot in the chat just a second ago. 170,000 people signed up for 70,000 seats. He keeps booking like bigger and bigger arenas. Remember when he used to book the little places and he'd have like a meeting space or a convention center where he could put like 10,000 people and there'd be 20 on the outside and 10 in. And so then he went to the 30,000. He started moving into arenas and he'd pack the arena out and there'd still be, you know, 16,000 people outside. Now, he's at straight double, like, so that's more than double. 70,000 times two is 140 using regular, you know, American math, old school math, not common core. 170,000 people, that means 100,000 extra people didn't get to get in. What? What? So they were calling it Trumpalooza because they said the little town, Wildwood, which coincidentally, we have a town called Wildwood where we live here, too, um, that Wildwood was so overrun with Trump supporters that, you know, they came in and descended upon Wildwood, New Jersey. And they were so hot and thick up in that joint. It was like Trumpapalooza. And I got to tell you, I want him to come here and I want him to do one in our football stadium. But you know why he's not going to? Because time is money and time is precious for him, especially on the campaign trail. And Missouri's gonna go for him. Like we're we're all in for Trump here. So he's not gonna come here and do a stadium, unfortunately. But he could. And if he did, we would pack it out. We look, we had five hundred thousand people at that big they had a big um, uh, what's it called? Like a Uh, parade that they did downtown for the St. Louis Blues after they won the Stanley Cup and 500,000 St. Louisans showed out in their gear and were just showing out. They showed up and showed out. If y'all ever, ever been to a black church, you you know what I'm referring to. (laughs) So, so yeah, that was, um, that's something that could happen and I wish that it would, but anyway, um, he is going to continue to do these rallies he's going to continue to have record turnouts and people are are responding to the fact that he is just being subjected to the most awful treatment in the senate right now and wishy-washy democrats and wishy-washy republicans specifically are making this whole process even worse than it really is and it's just not right and i feel pretty sad about it actually i think it's it's starting to wear down on me a little bit that the president is having to go through this Not because he's the president or because he's Donald Trump, but I just hate to see anybody treated really unfairly like this. And so um, anyway, for those of you who live in those states where you're going to be getting these huge rallies, can I just say to you, man, you're lucky. You guys, you're going to have all the fun because they have the best gear, the best gear for sale. Like if you want Trump shirts, Trump hats, Trump socks, Trump gloves, Trump jackets, if you want any of that stuff, you got to go to these rallies because the people, they get their entrepreneurship on. They bring tables. They set up tables outside. And as you're walking by, you know, because you have to walk for miles and miles from wherever you parked, you have the chance to buy all this stuff. And I was so tired the last time when it was in Columbia. I didn't even take part in all of it. They had so much cute stuff, but I was just worn out. My legs was barely holding me up after all that walking. It was like, I walked 30,000 steps that day, I think. It was insane. It was insane, you guys. And I don't regret it. It was great, but I don't regret it. So anyway, um, so let's get to this this subject matter here. We have an amazing opportunity as Americans because we have a lot of local control. And then we have the federal government, which... It may feel like it's out of your control, but really, every time you vote, you're exerting control over these people. Every time you call your congressman's office or your senator's office, you're exerting control. Anytime you write a check out or get your credit card out and plug that number in on a website or use PayPal to donate, you're exerting control over this process. And so we are not without control. The biggest thing we can do is to pray. We beseech the Almighty to bring justice and peace and prosperity to our land, and we pray for specific issues, and we don't stop doing that because we know that he is faithful and just. He hears our prayers, and he will answer. It doesn't look the way we want it to. I mean, I'm sitting over here. Again, I have my crew, my faithful folks in the the StacyOnTheRight.com chat room over here faithful folks who listen to the podcast over at com, But this is a significantly smaller number of people than, you know, seven months ago when I was still over at the old place. And I was just, I was, it was like I was on a carpet ride, just enjoying my life. And now here I am. And I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what, is there another syndicated job up ahead? What, what is the end result of all of this? I don't know. But I know that God answers prayer. And because I haven't seen the answer to my prayer or because I don't know what's around the corner, doesn't mean I stop praying. It doesn't mean I don't believe. It doesn't mean that he's not answering my prayers. It just means that I don't know. And like any child who doesn't know everything that's going on, I can choose to be in my feelings and temper tantrum or I can just choose to enjoy the day, which today just happens to be our oldest child's 20th birthday. You guys, she's so she's so cute. She's so Wonderful, and she's so sweet and special. And so, this is for her like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 20. I've been a mom for 20 years. Okay. I've been a mom for 20 years. Okay. (laughs) That means that I am like somewhat a little bit of an expert at momming because 20 years, I think that's worth me saying, I know a couple of two things. I know a few things. I know maybe three or four things. Okay. So, um, it's kind of hard to believe that it's been 20 years. It's also kind of hard to believe that, you know, I still feel, sometimes I feel like I'm new at it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) But then I look at the kids and they're all young adults. I'm like, oh, well, I'm not really new at it, obviously. I've obviously been doing this for a while. So I guess I just want to encourage other people out there, whatever stage of parenting you're in, you know, just please remember me sitting here kind of smiling and saying enjoy it and enjoy those kids, especially while they're small and they're babies. And it can be so – it can be tough. I remember when we had two in diapers and – I was breastfeeding one and for a while there was always someone in pull-ups or diapers. Like there were years of that going on because our kids are so close together. And so there were times where it was just exhausting, but even in the most exhausting of moments, I just remember thinking tomorrow me and the kids are going to, (laughs) they were like my own little built-in set of best friends and they always had something interesting to say. So even if I was in the kitchen, like trying to figure out, what am I making? There, were, I remember many times I would be standing there looking in the refrigerator like, why don't I meal plan? I, so I would be castigating myself. If I meal planned, I wouldn't be so obviously confused right now about what I'm making for dinner tonight. And then one of the kids would come in and just strike up a conversation. Hey, mommy. And then, boom, they'd start off with something. I'm like, oh, well. And then we'd start talking. Before you know it, I would say, well, what do you think we should have for dinner? And they would make a suggestion. I would just get it out, cook it. And they were they were just my little they were like a little crew that I had a little crew of tiny people who entertained me and gave me reasons to go do all kinds of stuff. We going to the zoo, the museum, meeting up with other moms for playdates, talking about those playdates, talking about what the other kids did and said and, you know, all that stuff. So it was just like having my own set of ready made best friends who were tiny Needed a lot of help with stuff. You know, they need lifting in and out of cars and all that stuff. So it was was hard work. But my own little crew of friends that I had for just – it was years that they were at home. And then when Maya went off to school, I didn't have to be so sad because I still had two left. And then Miles went the next year, and then I still had Madison for a little while. And then finally when she went – um, I basically chased them into the schoolhouse and didn't leave. I volunteered at the school all the time. And then after school, they'd get off the bus and I'd be right there ready for my little friend group to come on in and, you know, do stuff. So be encouraged. You have so much more to look forward to whether you're in the baby years, the younger years, like, um, you know, the grammar school years, the, the middle school years and the teenage years, and none of them are bad years. And I'll just leave you with this. If you're, Hearing people say, Oh, you're gonna dread the tween years, or oh, it's so terrible when, you know, or don't have three kids because there's no way you can handle all the diapers. These people are liars, okay? You can handle anything. Kids aren't even anything that you handle. Kids are blessings and they're so much fun to have. And the best thing about it is that they're yours. And so you don't you don't ever have to worry about like, you know, they're they're just always there for you to have to do stuff with. It's the best. They're like little. They're like little buddies. They're basically you have kids and you have little buddies that are running around and then they get to be medium sized buddies and then middle school age buddies and then junior high buddies and then high school buddies. And then now I have a couple of college buddies and one still high school buddy left here at home. It's amazing. You just there's just nothing bad about it. Um, So I would say don't listen to those people. They may have had bad experiences. I'm not discounting what's happened to them, but it doesn't mean it has to be that way for you. Pray over the kids and enjoy them. Just love them so much and do it because you can. Okay. Um, So let's go into this vagrancy issue. So first of all, the reason that I was concerned with this is because I stumbled on a story. And by stumbled on, I mean, I believe the Lord put it right up in my face. And the story is called St. Louis County Looks to Change Panhandling Regulations. Now, why would that be a thing? Well, because apparently county council members want to, the Democrats, want to decriminalize people being poor. So I'll start off by saying I don't think vagrancy laws criminalize people for being poor. They criminalize certain behaviors. Now, the best thing for us to do if we want to discuss any kind of ordinances or anything is we should talk about what the ordinance actually says. So... The ordinance that they proposed, which was submitted by Council Member Clancy, who is a, uh, she's a Democrat, is that they want to submit an ordinance to amend Chapter 716, the Petty Offenses Code, and they want to repeal Section 716.080 and 716.090, which are a person shall not be a vagrant, that's the first one, and the second one, which gives the definition of a vagrant, and I'll tell you what it is. The following classes of persons shall be deemed vagrant within the meaning of this chapter. Every person without any visible means of support who may be found loitering around houses of ill fame, gambling houses, or places where liquor is sold or drunk. Every person who shall attend or operate any gambling device or apparatus. Every person who shall be engaged in practicing any trick or device to procure money or anything of value. Every person who shall be engaged in any unlawful calling. And that's um, any kind of trickery, yada, yada, yada. So. Does any of that sound like it's criminalizing you being poor? You're with me. It does not. Okay. So let's move on. What The first thing that they they said in the meeting, there were two meetings. One was called a committee of the whole and it was in the afternoon, which is why I wasn't here. I was actually at that meeting. And that was a meeting where every county council member was present for most of the meeting. And they heard testimony from people, which let's have a funny story in the middle of this. We'll do it now. I went there and I signed my name onto the list of people who attended the meeting, but I didn't read the form carefully enough. And so I didn't check the box after my name. And so therefore I wasn't permitted to speak. And I brought prepared remarks. (laughs) So (laughs) I said at the end when they were going into closed session, I I turned to them and I said, um, I signed up to speak but you didn't call my name and she was like did you I said yeah my name is the last name on that first sheet right there and so she looked down she said and held it right up you didn't check the box and then they went into closed session yes that's how I got treated I'm a taxpayer and I got treated just like that and you know what I was here for it because if they got rules I'm gonna follow them so you know what I did at the next meeting at 6 15 I signed my name and I checked the box and I did get to speak but don't let's get ahead of ourselves so these ordinances are specifically pertaining to people who are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Loitering at intersections begging for money. And I mean if you're with me, if you 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 can raise your hand wherever you are, if you're the kind of person like me who has handed 5 or 10 bucks out of the car window and said God bless you, um, or handed them, you know, one of those kits with deodorant and soap and stuff in it and it had a little bit of money tucked in there and some granola bars, if you've done that. Well, you know what? 80% of those people who are out there actually drove to those intersections and they're living in a house someplace and their day job is panhandling at major intersections because they can earn thousands of dollars a day doing that. Now, first of all, I thought to myself, how many times have you thought to yourself, wow, money is looking a little bit tight right here, and then you just had to cut back and budget or, you know, really take a hard look at, at your spending – these people are like mm, money's looking kind of tight. They dress kind of raggedy and go stand on the the thing and say and put up a cardboard sign and people give them money all day and then they pack that wad of cash, tax free money into their their pocket, get in their car and drive home. Money's not tight anymore. I just went not panhandle my way into you know whatever they're doing. I don't know what they're doing with the money, making their rent payments or mortgage payments or buying investor property, whatever. They're panhandling and people like us are driving up and giving them money and they are not poor. Now, the other people who really are legitimately poor, a lot of them, the police, so the police chief for South County was there at the meeting, and he tore it up, y'all. That man was, he was so good. He was dynamic. He told us about, first of all, some of these vagrants are legitimately crazy. Not only are they heroin addicts, and they're covered with all kinds of bodily fluids and all that stuff, but some of them roam around naked and demand money from you in the Walmart parking lot. Now, I've never had that happen to me, but there was a lady there who she's legally blind. So that means she can see, but she's legally blind, meaning she doesn't have peripheral vision. She can't drive a car, but she r- rides her wheelchair. She gets from place to place using a wheelchair, and she has to pass under a. Uh, under a piece of the highway to get from where she lives to where she goes two or three times a week to do shopping and whatnot. And she says she's regularly accosted by these people They try to take advantage of her because she's in a wheelchair. So she testified. So after hearing about all the violence and stuff that goes on in certain areas of St. Louis County, because I had just sworn to myself that we didn't have those issues, then you have this series of people who come up and none of them are in support of eliminating the vagrancy ordinances so they actually had all the opposition they needed but there are only three democrats on the council or i'm sorry three republicans and four democrats so this could pass without um without any problem whatsoever i mean they could repeal it but the public outcry was such that it actually it doesn't look like they're going to be able to pull it off not without having some significant ramifications. So they're probably regrouping and trying to figure out another way to get it done because these liberals want to definitely make St. Louis County as hellish as possible to punish it for being, it's its like mostly Republican, but there are a lot of Democrats in the County as well. Otherwise, how could the County council be four to three Democrat Republican? So let's talk a little bit about this guy. Um, and and you probably have one guy like this in your area as well. Apparently, this is a thing. Because the police off, the police chief talked about how they'll go up to people and they'll say, you don't have to be homeless. There's a shelter. And after the shelter, they have a program that they can get you into where that you'll eventually have an apartment of your own or a house or what have you. There's even a halfway house. I mean, there's a lot of options in St. Louis County. And then he says a lot of people will say, I like being homeless. This is my life. I don't want to take care of bills. I don't want to have an apartment. I don't want to be responsible to anybody. I just want to live outside, and I want to earn a living panhandling, and I want you to leave me alone. That's what they'll say. They take the money that they panhandle, and they go buy drugs, and when they run out of drugs, they go back out and they panhandle again until they get enough to buy more drugs. That's it. That's it. Point blank done. So this guy that I'm talking about the one that I just mentioned to you, Um, his name is Rodriguez. And he is a persistently homeless individual. And what he does is he has an attorney. So he's homeless, but he has an attorney. Work that one out for yourselves. This man actually sues over and over and over again to get St. Louis County to leave him be so that he can panhandle. and, uh, And remember, panhandling is as simple as Do you have $5? Do you have any money to um, give me some money while they stand in between you and your car and you're there with your kid? This happens a lot in South County where women who are leaving a shopping place are literally told by a man standing in between there and their car, give me some money. Now, I remember when my kids were smaller, I almost never had cash on me. It was a thing that my mom used to admonish me about. She was like, you need cash. What if you get stranded, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Mom, if I get stranded, then I'll just use my debit card. And she was like, you need cash. And so there were a few years when the kids were really small where I almost never had cash. But then I started, like, listening to my own mother and, and carrying cash around with me. But it would usually be, I wouldn't have more than 20 bucks on me in cash. Um, and if you have just a single $20 bill and you don't want to give it to a vagrant and you say you don't have any money, they'll, they'll start yelling at you. Like, they will lose it on you because they feel like you're you're standing there. You owe them some money. They want money. You obviously have some. You're coming out of the store. Give them some money. And if you try to hand them food, a lot of times, I mean, these people can get violent. The uh, police chief talked about most recently, like within the last week, they had to break up a fight between two individuals who had really bloodied each other because one of them had brass knuckles. They were fighting over the right to panhandle at Highway 44 and Lindbergh, which that's an area here in St. Louis for I know a lot of the people in the chat, you guys aren't from here, but suffice it to say, it's a very busy intersection with a lot of shopping down there. And what was shocking to me about that is how many times I've been at that low shopping and I've, you know, how many times I've pulled up to that intersection and felt sorry for the person and gave them some money. Only these people probably they might even be living better than me. Like it's crazy. So he talked about people coming out of the woods nude demanding cash. I mean, I know I mentioned that, but I have to I'm trying to stress to you how dangerous the situation really is and how their hands are already tied. So then there was a discussion between the a, attorney for the county council and um, the one of the county council members and what they were talking about was um, this idea that, There's this judge, and so you got the police who are doing everything in their power to help these people. Uh, The police are often giving out their own money. They pull their own money out of their pocket and give it to people. Um, Most, He said they rarely encounter anybody who's homeless who has a child, so it's, it's single people who are out there who are homeless and they're trying to help them. They will move them from place to place. They'll transport them to a shelter. They'll do whatever they can to help when they see them out, you know, just out in the area homeless. But What he said was... That, um, that Judge Limbaugh had put down a national injunction, or not national, a statewide injunction um on prosecuting, and I'm just typing this in because I had this link up earlier, but I need to pull it back up. A statewide injunction on prosecuting vagrants. And so that means that even when the police pull it up, uh, you know, they, they, they arrest someone, they give someone a citation, when the case comes before the prosecuting attorney, they've been instructed not to prosecute any of them because of this injunction. So here's the problem. Doesn't that nationwide injunction um, sound a lot like the same thing or statewide injunction sound a lot like what these judges do to President Trump by issuing nationwide injunctions? Now we have two judges on the Supreme Court who've said that's not right. That's not what they should do. So what I'm interested in seeing is why. Why would this judge say we can't prosecute vagrants? And why is the Missouri Supreme Court planning on, on doing something with, um, like, basically declaring vagrancy laws too vague and therefore unenforceable and therefore, you know, you have to remove them? Why would we take away the right to say that a person, and I'm going straight back to the language in the vagrancy law. Why would we take away the right for the police to prosecute a person who is tricking people into procuring their money? So they're standing on the thing. They're not actually vagrants. They're not actually homeless, but they're standing there with a sign tricking people who drive up into handing them money. Why would the police not be able to stop them from doing that? Why would we not want to stop people who are Obviously, homeless, loitering around prostitution houses, gambling houses, or outside of gas stations where they sell alcohol. Why would we not want to be able to stop people from doing that? Um, you know, why would we not want to be able to pick up prostitutes? So prostitution's legal in Nevada, but it's not legal in the state of Missouri. Why would we not be able to stop people from prostituting themselves? So here's the other thing that you need to know about this and I'm I'm serious about the fact that we have to take care of poor and indigent people, that we have programs for that. Um, I offered last night in my comment that we should have a task force. I'd be happy to serve on a task force on homelessness, explore some options, and get get something done that is really helpful for these people. We have a lot of programs. We have a community continuum of care, a COC here in St. Louis County. So this is something, it's not like it's new, like no one's taking care of it. But yesterday afternoon, Lisa Clancy said, that 716.065, which pertains to bodily harm, you can't harm someone else in their body, and 716.140, damage or loss of property. You cannot damage other people's property. You cannot cause them to lose their, pro- their property. Why didn't these two ordinances serve the same purpose as the vagrancy laws? And the police officer and other Police officers, the, they had chiefs there who were commenting who brought folders full of images and all kinds of stuff that the rest of us couldn't see because they said, that, you know, it's, if it's in a case, they can't share it with the public. They can share it with other elected officials, but not with the public. So and they went into closed session to consider some of that stuff, he said the big difference is, let's say you're in your backyard. If it, There are neighborhoods in St. Louis where this is going on. I had no idea, you guys. You're in your backyard. You come out. And someone is defecating in your backyard, um, or someone is naked on your property, or someone spent the night, last three nights, you run them off every morning, they're underneath the front porch of your business. These are all stories that, that, that were told by people who came to the meeting yesterday. Not making this stuff up. I mean, I am creative, but I don't have to make it up because this is the, the stories that were shared by real people who live in areas of St. Louis County who are experiencing these things on a regular basis. Their neighborhood quality of life has gone down so much that they're not sure if they can sell their home to recoup the money that they put into it. So they're in a losing proposition. One guy even said he and his family back in 2012 decided to buy some empty buildings around in their neighborhood and, and fill them with renters and improve the neighborhood as an investment strategy. And the money that they took out of their savings to do that, they're now afraid they're going to lose it because the panhandling and vagrants and migrantism has has raised to such a degree that their neighborhood is going downhill. It's a crime-infested neighborhood with drunks and drug addicts and and public urination and all of that. And so, the police officer said, "Well, the issue is that if someone spends the night underneath your." Front porch and you run them off before you run them off you call the police and we give them a citation the next time we see them under there we can cite them again and then after that we can arrest them if there is no vagrant law then you fall under these other laws she said bodily harm or damage to property trespassing well there has to be a victim so that means instead of the police taking over when they see the make the vagrant the or the migrant or what vagrant migrant whatever What happens is they have to have you file a police report, and now you're on the hook for testifying. And he said most of these people that are persistently homeless, they're known to the police, and they can be vindictive. They can... People fear for their lives. They're like, I don't want to press charges against this homeless man. He's in my neighborhood all the time. They reach out to the family of the homeless person, and the family says, he's violent, he's hurt us, he's robbed us. We don't want anything to do with him. Don't. We're not responsible for him. He's a grown man. You can't make us do anything with him because we're just glad he's not here anymore. So Lisa Clancy and the other council members want to make sure that ve- that. You're basically responsible for the migrant. You're responsible for his prosecution. It's your job to take care of him as opposed to um, the police handling it. And that is the crux of this issue. That's why you see the tent cities and the the drug needles everywhere. That's why San Francisco is such a hotbed of really the most awful behavior. And one of my girlfriends did some research and she spoke last night and she said that 100 people in the city of San Francisco, are responsible for 3,600 crimes. 100 people, multiple offenders, so they are repeat offenders. They're responsible for 3,600 different crimes, those 100 people. So we have about 1,109 persistently homeless individuals at last count in St. Louis County. You do that math. This is why you gotta pay attention. So if I were you, Um, I would check the news stories and see change in panhandling regulations, change in migrant laws, change in vagrancy laws, type in vagrancy in the name of your city or county. See what your county council mayor's office is doing about this problem. See what they've proposed um, and then show up to the meeting and make sure that you bring, you know, if they don't invite the police to come and testify, you invite them. You look at the stats. We have the Missouri Housing Development Council. They do the tallies of homeless here. Actually, more than one organization counts the homeless in St. Louis County. You have an organization that's doing that in your area as well. Check their information online. They usually keep a database that you can check and see how many homeless people were there last year. How many, how many do, do they guesstimate are in the area right now? When is the next count? Just get a few facts up under your belt and then go to the meeting and find out. You're probably going to find it's a bunch of Democrats um, the Democrats are trying to change the law because this is a nationwide movement, in my opinion. They, they see what's happened in San Francisco, and they're like, well, you know, why should other places not have to experience that as well? Other people need the freedom to put up a tent city. Last thing, there's a story out there that's actually on, if you have an Apple cell phone, um, they have a, the um, the news story about a subdivision and so the homeless people went into a, basically a common ground or easement area, and they set up a tent city. And so the tent city um, has now, they, the, the police, it took some time. They finally um, got rid of the, the the migrants. Wow, I'm totally messing that up. You can tell me. They got rid of the homeless people who were there. And so then they had to go in and clean up all of the debris, the garbage, the tents, pull everything up. Well, it cost $20,000 to clean it up. And so they're taking that fee and they're billing the subdivision where the migrants set up their tent city. So the homeowners, who had nothing to do with the people coming there—they didn't invite them. They didn't give them permission to be there. They wanted them out. They weren't sure why they were there, but they—they they were like, "Well, we—we got to do what we can." Those people are now on the hook for dividing that twenty thousand dollar cost among the subdivision. That is what we're talking about here. When lawlessness abounds, people—the people groan. When bad leaders, when wicked people are in charge, the people groan because they're being forced to um, to endure things that they shouldn't have to endure. So when and if you see this coming your way, your only recourse is to fight it with everything you've got. These city council meetings, county council meetings, you got to show up with some friends. You have to show up with friends. And... When you show up with friends, you have to have comments and make your comments uh, different parts of the issue. So like if I'm talking about the fact that um, this one guy Rodriguez is suing over and over and over again to try to get vagrancy laws struck down, then the next person shouldn't talk about that, too. They should talk about another aspect of the story, like the number of crimes in other areas, uh, the the increase in crime when vagrancy laws are removed and handle it like that. So it's an ongoing, continuous conversation that makes it possible for people to understand the issue. People who are sitting in the audience who maybe came for something else can understand the issue and join in with you. People on the county council will have a full picture of what it is that you're discussing. And um, you know, and then of course just pray, which you have to pray for these people because once they're elected, they're placed in authority over us. The Bible mandates that we pray for them, but it doesn't mean we have to take their their bad decisions. It doesn't mean we don't remind them that they're responsible. It doesn't mean that we don't go in and inform them that we don't agree with plans that they have to uh, for instance in this instance remove vagrancy laws alright y'all that is like that's a whole lot of show right there I, I hadn't been here and now I'm back and that was the whole show and we didn't even talk about our political topics <laughs> Okay, that is the show for today. Thank you so much for being with us. You guys are awesome, especially in the chat room. You guys, have a great night.